0: Hi everyone, welcome to this month's Step Outside podcast. My name is Katie Donaldson. I'm the communication specialist here at the School of Natural Resources at the University of Tennessee Institute of Agriculture. Today joining me is Sweta Dixit. Thank you so much for being here. She is a master's student here at the School of Natural Resources. And today you're going to talk to me a little bit about the research that you've been doing about human wildlife conflict.
1: Thank you for having me. Yeah, so I am working on reviewing a policy called Park Revenue Sharing Policy. So this policy was enacted in a lot of Asian and African countries like a few decades ago, some maybe recently, but this policy is mostly focused on providing some benefits to the local communities so that they can tolerate uh, wild animals and the problems that protected areas might have. So I might have to give you a little bit of history about how this policy was enacted, what this policy is, before talking about what I'm doing. I'll have to talk about a protected area establishment before that. So it's like this chain of events uh, happening in the history. Before the protected areas were established, a lot of people who lived in the forested areas were like highly dependent on those forests, like for firewood for woods for grazing and things like that for hunting as well and they would go inside the forest collect these resources to the point that they started started exploiting the resources and the conservationists started realizing that it would be a problem for the future right so they developed this concept of protected areas where they would protect uh, certain areas that were being exploited or that had very high and rich diversity. So later, um, when these protected areas were established, the people living there could not live there anymore, and they had to be translocated to some other places. And they were really angry because they had to move to another location. Two, they had to They could not enter the uh, national parks or wildlife reserves to collect the resources anymore that they'd been doing for generations. Anyone would be sad, right? And then because of that, because of those restrictions, they were really angry at the park staff and protected area people. So they started opposing anything that the protected area people wanted to implement in the community. So again, the conservationists realized that this was not the solution for protection. The local communities had to be involved in in the uh, conservation, right, for sustainable development, for sustainable conservation. After that, they, they involved local people, and this concept of park revenue sharing policy started. It's a part of this uh, other program called Buffer Zone Programme, Buffer zones uh, are the areas, they are at a certain distance from protected areas. The distance isn't specific, but um, people live there. There are small markets. There are like small villages around the protected areas. Some buffer zones might be inside the protected areas as well. So from this program, the buffer zone program and the park revenue sharing policy, they started providing the revenue that's collected from the protected area to the local communities, so the revenue can be from tourism, any recreational activities done, permits taken, and things like that. And this was given to the local communities for their development, to invest in conservation, to provide them awareness and education so that you know they develop positive attitude towards the park staff. So this is what I'm looking at. I like, am reviewing the policy. In Nepal, this policy has not been reviewed, even though it was implemented 26 years ago. So I am reviewing this policy. I'm looking at the perception of the local communities as well as the key informants like the park managers, the government people, local leaders, and conservation organizations who have already been working in the protected area for several years or even several decades. So I'm comparing their perceptions and I am collaborating with the government of Nepal's Department of National Park and Wildlife uh, Conservation. So that's the department that looks at the policies and all the protected areas. So I am collaborating with them, and hopefully I'll be a part of this policy change in Nepal. And I know you said 26
0: years mm-hmm. since it's been under review. That's a very long time, as you said. Um, Looking at this policy, what are the changes that you think should be enacted?
1: Yeah, so um, in Nepal, this policy focuses on five major areas. It's on conservation, community development, awareness and education, income generation and administration. So right now, I mean, 26 is 26 years is a long time as you mentioned and a lot of political changes have taken place from that time We didn't have a local government actively working in like local places But now we have a very strong local government who have a lot of money and they want to work on community development So the community development part of this policy might be redundant right now and a lot of interviews from the key informants have mentioned that removing the community development would be a good idea. And because people are getting compensated uh, for wildlife loss and damages from other entities, but they do not think that the compensation is enough. So they recommend replacing the compensation with the, I mean, replacing the community development with the compensation part so that people are more satisfied with the program and they do not get angry with the park staff for any kind of damage or they do not end up killing the wild animals for the damage done. The other uh, important thing is improving the perceived benefits of the community because uh, in my research I found that when people perceive more benefits from the protected areas. They tend to have more positive attitude towards the park staff, and they tend to be involved more in conservation parts. So increasing the benefit and reducing the burdens that they have from the uh, protected area is another thing that needs to be changed in this policy. Another part is that women, they are not much involved in higher positions. So a lot of key informants recommended that women need to be involved in mostly in the higher part because they are involved in, they take leads in the local level, but not in the council or the committee level, the higher positions. These are the most um, basic changes that needs to be done right now. And I know you
0: said when you were talking about compensation, especially for any damage from wildlife, could you just give an example of what people are experiencing right now?
1: Yeah. So although Nepal's like a small country, I think it's smaller than Tennessee, but we have a very high diversity and we have these high mountains, more than 10,000 feet altitude. There are protected areas there and we have protected areas in the plain lands so depending on areas the conflicts differ the animal because the animals differ talking about the bigger mammals like elephants rhinoceros tigers they tend to kill more people they tend to damage households and elephants they walk in herd so when they pass a village they just walk through their fields crop fields and they damage all the crops right so there are small mammals like boars, monkeys, porcupines that damage crops. And we have this practice of storing crops in a shed. And the animals, they just smell it and they go to the shed. They destroy all the crops. They eat away all the crops. And uh, so these are mostly the conflict cases that are happening right now. And you
0: mentioned changing the compensation as well you said that was one of the changes you're hoping for how would they be compensated now if something like that were to happen
1: say an animal like you said broke into the shed and just destroyed all the crops yeah so um right now the government of Nepal is looking at the compensation so they have to submit a lot of documents to the local office I would say local government office and they'll be compensated after like a lot of rounds of visiting the offices and like sometimes some documents might be missing sometimes they need to get document from another ward office and these protected areas are present in rural parts mostly so it might there might not be any vehicles people might not have any vehicles or public transportations might not be available there are a lot of places in Nepal where roads aren't there there's no accessibility, right? People have to walk for hours just to reach a health post. So they might have to walk more hours to reach a ward office. So they have uh, problems with that. If the policy changes, hopefully it does. And if it starts compensating the local people, then as I, I mentioned that there's buffer zone area, right? So there are buffer zone leaders who look after the buffer zone area. So If the policy changes, the buffer zone leaders will be looking at the compensation and they can provide immediate compensation to the local communities because when people suffer, they would rather get little money at the time of their suffering than a lot of money a year later or two years later, right? So hopefully this will provide them a straightforward and timely um, compensation.
0: And it sounds like this is any, this policy change will mean a lot of collaboration with several different groups. Are they already communicating with each other?
1: Yeah, so in the buffer zone area, there are many stakeholders working, like the buffer zone leaders, as I mentioned. There are different tiers of the uh, buffer zone where there's the local group, there's the committee, and there's the council. They are already collaborating among themselves. There are uh, conservation organizations who have implemented uh, a lot of programs in the buffer zone. They are they are national organizations, um, international organizations, NGOs. There are different organizations already working there, com- conducting different projects. And um, now that there's local government, so they are also interested in community development. So even after... The policy changes we already have this different uh, group of stakeholders working in different projects and different work so the compensation part will most likely be given by the buffer zone or the local government but yeah most of the things might not change even if the policy changes
0: and this is something that will impact all parks in Nepal
1: yes so we have um 12 national parks And one wildlife reserve in Nepal, and all of them have implemented this policy. So, um, a lot, some countries in Africa have park specific policy and they differ in terms of providing revenue to the people and in terms of where this money is invested. But in Nepal, we have same um, policy for all the protected areas that have implemented this policy. So if the policy changes, it might change in all the protected areas or um, they might like change policy according to each specific area because, as I mentioned, Nepal is very diverse and I think that the policy needs to be area specific, like the general policy can be general, but the specific like there should be a different sub policy maybe that's specific to each protected area.
0: The buffer zones that you were talking about do you have do you know how much revenue those areas generate for
1: Nepal? It depends on the buffer zone actually as you might know, the highest mountain peak Mount Everest is in Nepal. So that also is uh, inside one of the national parks. It's called Sagarmatha National Park. Sagarmatha is the Nepali word for Mount Everest. So that national park generates a lot of money because a lot of tourists go to climb Mount Everest or even just to reach the base camp of Everest. So that revenue is a lot and that revenue would just be specific to that particular uh, protected area, right? So there's a lot of development going on. There's a lot of projects going on in that um, protected area. But there are places that can only access by uh, walking. They don't have airplanes, airports, or even roads to go there. So it's either helicopter or walking. And those areas are not explored much, they, people do not go there much, so those areas do not generate a lot of revenue. And there are some protected areas that have tigers, elephants, all those exotic animals that people go and visit. And there are some areas with just wild water buffaloes that people would not want to, you know, just go and see. So it depends on uh, buffer zones and it depends on the national park about how much revenue is generated, and the development follows according to that.
0: And you were talking about how, specifically around Mount Everest, there's a lot of development there. I imagine with this policy change, will that impact all those developments?
1: It depends on how the policy changes. So um, some of the key informants have proposed that whatever revenue is generated from all these protected areas be collected all together and distributed evenly to all the protected areas so that there's equal development if that's implemented then it will completely change how the development or other projects are implemented right now because the areas that have been getting higher revenues might not get as much if it happens but it's highly unlikely that this will happen because people from the places where there are high revenues might not be happy about it if they start getting lesser money for development or other projects, right? So it actually depends on how the policy changes, all I can say that. (laughs) I know that's a
0: question that you can't really answer. Um, How long do you think this review is going to
1: take? Right now, I have the results from both the local communities and the key informants. I am writing my thesis for it. So I might present it to the park managers or just the leaders of the um, Department of National Park and Wildlife Conservation, the policy makers. So I might uh, present them after I'm done with it and they will take the suggestions, review it, and hopefully stay in discussion maybe a year or two it might take to change the policy. But um, They are interested and the scientific community is really interested uh, about how this policy is going to change because it's the first time it's going to happen in Nepal for this policy.
0: You were talking about how other countries have policies as that relate only to national park areas. Do you think other countries may see how this policy changes and they might implement similar changes
1: in their own countries? Yes, of course. Like My research is based in Nepal, but it has a wider implication because a lot of Asian countries and African countries, they have similar policy. And um, Nepal, especially, it provides a substantial amount of revenue to the local communities than other countries. It provides half of the up to half of the total revenue that's generated from the park to the buffer zone areas for their development. So, other countries, some provide five percent of just the entrance fee or ten percent of the total revenue. It depends on protected areas, but. Nepal provides substantial amounts, so it might be of interest to a lot of other countries and a lot of other protected areas to see how it might change and how um, how we can use this policy to improve the park people relationship even more and reduce human wildlife conflict at certain level.
0: You said you're currently writing your thesis on this. So, are you planning on pursuing um, a doctorate's degree?
1: I'll be joining NC State from fall 2023 in the Department of Parks, Recreation, and Tourism Management. So, of course, I will be continuing my research on park management, tourism management, and hopefully I'll be conducting international research, maybe in Nepal, maybe in other countries. And I might use this research to compare um, anything in Africa, or I might explore more about nepal in my uh, phd so yes i will continue this
0: great and congratulations thank you (laughs) Um, is there anything else you feel like you need to add
1: or that people you think people might need to know about this research so um people would support the protected areas would have positive attitude towards the park staff until they receive benefits from um, the protected areas, when they start perceiving that they have been experiencing burden more than benefits, then they would like stop um, supporting the protected areas as, as much or even start opposing it. So, um, the protected area management should focus on the benefits that the community receive in addition to conserving biodiversity inside the park, conserving many species inside the park. So, um, I think the policy should focus on um, benefiting the local communities as much as it focuses on conserving biodiversity. Thank you so much, Sweater, for
0: joining us on this month's Step Outside podcast. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you
1: for having me.